years ago, Janet and I went to a church in St. Louis. Does anybody know what the word intinction means? It's when you take the communion bread and then you dip it in the cup and then you take communion that way. Well, I had never done that before when we visited this church in St. Louis. So they have you get up, you know, and get in line and there are people that serve you communion. So when I was there to get it, I took the bread, grabbed the cup, and then I just started drinking it. <laughs> and I, I, I mortified the uh, lady that was there serving the, uh, the communion and felt pretty stupid. And I understand, because we have friends that go to that church, that they now explain in detail what you're to do <laughs> because some stupid idiot <laughs> took and drank the cup. So glad to know that my influence is spreading. Right? Hey, you know, I enjoy baseball. My career in baseball in the majors was cut short by the fact that I couldn't throw, hit, or run a bat. But other than that, I would have had a career in baseball. One of my highlights was uh, going to Fenway Park three years ago when Janet and I visited the New, New England area. And if you're not familiar, Fenway Park is the home of the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox are fun to cheer for. They used to be because for 86 years they never won a World Series until they beat the Cardinals in 2004. And Red Sox fans before then had lived with this kind of angst of being the world's greatest underdogs for so long. And some didn't know what their purpose was after they won. One guy who actually played for the Red Sox, Mike Andrews, said, I'm having trouble dealing with it. He played second base for the Red Sox in the 60s. He said, you're, you're kind of caught saying, what's next? Uh, I don't want to say it's a letdown, but it's certainly something you let become part of your life, and it's gone now, and we need to come up with something new. <laughs> so purpose. You know, when your kids leave the house... Some parents find it difficult because their purpose of raising kids is left. We also read that one-third of those who retire suffer from depression because the purpose they found in work is missing. Purpose is never overrated, right? I mean, not having a purpose may be the worst kind of pandemic. I'm not talking about goals. Purpose is the, the reason behind the goals. And I, I'm not talking about what you do for a living. Purpose is the, the motivator for vocation. I'm not even talking about marriage or, or family. Purpose gives relationships a, the long view. It gives us endurance. Without purpose, life is just kind of a meaningless sequence of events. And it's the lack of sustaining purpose that ends marriages. It bores us on the job. And it causes many to give up on the church, Christian life, and even God. And it's the desire for purpose that brings us to Easter. Here's something from a man who was unjustly jailed. He was beaten multiple times 
and he died in prison. And he wrote this. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The Apostle Paul was able to endure all the things that he suffered in his life because he had a clear purpose. He said, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Here's my premise. A God-man who rose from the dead doesn't need anything else on his resume to be an authority on providing purpose. I mean, that's checkmate. The resurrection places Jesus at the top of the list of who or what can provide purpose. It's not even a close second. And all of us, including myself, we have tried other things, right? To find purpose and fulfillment. All of us here have. Now, there's a man who tried harder than anybody to find purpose in earthly pursuits. He was a man who's considered to be the richest man to have ever lived. He was a king, so he had power. He had land, he had livestock, precious metals, servants, and multiple wives. So he had all that the, the physical world could provide for him. And most people would think, man, that guy's got it all. That's a happy guy, right? Well, King Solomon was also considered the wisest of all mortals. And here's his assessment. I've been king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out my wisdom. All that is done under heaven, it is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. The unhappy business was trying to find happiness under the sun without any kind of transcendence. Perhaps that famous theologian, Billy Eilish, best encapsulates the thinking today when she said this in an interview for Vogue. My thing is that I can do whatever I want. It's all about what makes you feel good. Now listen, I suppose it would be easy to take pot shots. But listen, that's the American way. She's just a reflection of the culture. Let me ask you. Is feeling good really our ultimate purpose? Do moms feel good about changing a diaper? Do parents feel good when they discipline a child? Does a root canal feel good? You see, there are things that are necessary 
and even significant that don't feel good. And if feeling good is all we do, we miss, I think, many of the most important things in life. And I submit to you today that many are not pursuing the most important. And the resurrection reminds us of that. Solomon also said, what gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he's put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Well, what's he saying? He's saying, yes, there are good things to enjoy. There, there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But God has made human beings for the capacity of the most important. That there is a hole in our heart that can only be filled by God. And every human is built with this capacity to find their purpose in God. George Harrison, one of the Beatles who died in 2001, he shared his last message before he died. Listen to what he said. The search for God cannot wait. Pretty good. What do we mean by God? Well, more than a name, I'm not talking about a denomination or a particular church, but it's that the, this relationship with God can fuel all that I do. Some of you might remember reading Shakespeare in high school. You might remember a quote from Hamlet. Be true to yourself. The original version said this. This above all, to thine own self, be true. And this oft-quoted line is now embedded in the pathos of our culture. And what people fail to remember is who said that line. It was Polonius, and he was the fool. It's the fool who is giving us the advice to live by the slogan of be true to yourself. And yet, our culture repeats this mantra like it's gospel. John Shedd lived over 100 years ago and said, a ship in harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. The ship cannot function as a ship unless it is in the water, sailing or motoring along. The human's created function is to find their purpose in God. You know, many were saddened with the death of Chadwick Boseman, the star of Black Panther. And Boseman passing was even more gripping to find out that nobody knew what the star had been facing. And when filming films like 21 Bridges, Avengers, Infinity War, Black Panther, and Marshall, Boseman was undergoing treatments for stage three 
colon cancer. He knew something about trials, and he shared his wisdom in a 2018 commencement address at his alma mater, Howard University. Listen to this. Sometimes you need to feel the pain and sting of defeat to activate the real passion and purpose that God destined inside of you. God says in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And later he continued, you would rather find purpose than a job or career. Purpose crosses disciplines. Purpose is an essential element of you. It is the reason you are on the planet at this particular time in history. Your very existence is wrapped up in the things you are here to fulfill. Whatever you choose for a career path, remember, the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. And then he concludes, I don't know what your future is, but if you're willing to take the harder way, the, the more complicated one, the, more with, the one with more failures at first than successes, the one that is proven to have more meaning, more victory, more glory, then you will not regret it. Our trials, our hardships, and failures are more than just meaningless difficulties. They're kind of a way for us to focus our lens, to get our perspective to understand our purpose. And maybe it's just a process of elimination. Well, I know it's not that. I know it's not that. I tried that, and that doesn't work. So what do we have left? Christ. The resurrection rises from the graveyard of human aspirations and brings with it the forgiveness of God that cleanses us from every disordered goal that shoves God out of the picture. And really, that's what sin is. Sin is the pursuit of pleasure and fulfillment without God. Nothing wrong with pleasure and fulfillment. I can enjoy that as a gift from God. But if I see that as my purpose and that alone, I'm going to pay a price for neglecting God in this life. And I think I'm going to pay a price beyond this life as well. You know, when things seem at their worst, God's resurrection power can transform our lives. That's great news. I want you to listen to the story of a couple from our church, Lathan and Anna Wallace. They're a dear couple to us. And their story includes things like drugs, abuse, prison, false religion, and failed relationships. That was their life. And God did a miracle in their life. Now, because of time, I cannot include their entire story. And we hope to have that available for you in another venue uh, after today. So you can look out for that. But until then, take a listen to this. The story of Lathan and Anna that we heard I think 
depicts God's life-giving purposes that can be found even after abuse and fractured families. And because Christ rose from the dead, we know that there is no circumstance too big for God to change. No life too bad off that God cannot transform. And Lathan and Anna are discovering God's purpose for them, and we see a nod to that toward our purpose when God allows us to peek into the future. It's really one of the most wonderful things about the Word of God is that God, because He can see the future, tells us about an event that is going to happen in the future. And I want to suggest to you that this kind of puts in motion something that I think tells us this is what it's about. Listen to the book of Revelation. It's how world history is going to culminate. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Can you imagine the sound of that? Can you imagine this sight? I mean, listen, we know how difficult it is in this country to have any kind of semblance of unity, right? We know how difficult it is to have unity in a family with differing religious ideologies and politics. We know how difficult it is to have unity in a church when people get off on some secondary issue. Can you imagine the scene of billions of people from all countries, all languages, get this, all political systems, all races, and they're going to be worshiping Jesus Christ, who is the genesis of the world, the Lord of all kings and presidents, the sin offering for all who will humbly bow their knee before Christ. God pulls this off, this amazing scene as all will be worshiping Jesus Christ. That would never happen unless Christ rose from the dead. That's why we're here today. It's the way that history will culminate. If that's going to happen, if that's how history culminates, if that's what it's all about, how can any of us even hesitate to not give God our full devotion and be a follower of Christ? Fulfilling his purpose from the Father and being our sin offering of 
dying on a cross, raising from the dead. The payoff will be this banquet and worship service, the largest to ever take place, all centered around Jesus. And all are going to see in that moment a perfect vision of the ultimate purpose as you have a multitude uniting in adoration to God. I mean, that sums it up. Author Norman Mailer said, if you don't believe in God and the devil, I wouldn't say you're crazy, but you're intellectually malnourished. I would suggest you're malnourished in all of life. Consider what we're facing. I think we all get really frustrated with this world. Right? I mean, the Nashville shooting, is that not incredibly frustrating? The world of politics is maddening. The thinking of our populace to deny plain reality is diabolical. And we all experience conflict in work, family, with our friends, and sometimes tragedy comes right to our door. And it's at that moment that our perspective will either feed us so that we can understand our real purpose Or we're barely going to be able to cope if we cope at all. See, man's greatest problem is that we settle for lesser things. And God takes the anxieties. He takes the mundane elements, all of life, to demonstrate for us our need for Christ. It's as if all of life is used for us to figure out it really is about him. That only Christ satisfies. I know, Lord, that the way of man is not in himself. That it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. There is something more than just me. There is something more than just what I desire to get out of my own personal pleasure. If life doesn't mean more than that, what's the deal? But it does. Because God has made us that way. And that's why we get so frustrated. Many look for purpose in a marriage. And they rarely look past their own personal happiness and wonder why they can't endure it. We look for purpose for our jobs no further than the money we make. And we wonder why we're so bored. We look for purposes in church. And we can't find it. 
because we just look to be titillated with our senses and we grow uninterested. Listen, purpose is not a principle. It's not a religious system. Our purpose is the person of Jesus Christ. I'm not pushing to you a church. I'm not pushing to you a, a set of ethics. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And every endeavor we have in life is to move us to him, to depend upon him, to trust in him, to worship him, to find our life in him. Scripture says in him we live and we move and we have our being. You see, my marriage is a vehicle to see my need of security in Christ. The power of Christ to love, even if I don't get all my needs met. My job and money is to walk in the provision of Christ and see my identity in Him. This church is to understand the the kingship of Christ in all of life. All of this is born out of the fact that Christ rose from the dead. Listen, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, again, I'm not asking if you go to church. If you've never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you can find grace today. If you are a Christian and you're tired of all these other pursuits, then maybe today is the day that you give up some of those pursuits and look at life through the vein of Christ. Quit living for yourself. Live under his authority. You know, if you think life is too, your life is too messed up, we just heard a story from a couple. They've been to hell and back. And now they find purpose and joy in Christ. Not perfect. None of us are. Listen, every, every temptation we have that presents itself to us, that hits at you know, our pleasure, our security, our, our identity, every teenage angst, every fear that steals our joy, Every disappointing relationship is a way for us to see that it's Christ that can truly meet our innermost needs. The resurrection proves that he is fit for that job. Would you bow with me?